Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I kiss the blarney. We were just talking about kissing the blarney stone. That sounds so high. You have to lean backwards and, and angle yourself down, and then kiss the blarney stone. Why do you have to lean backwards? Because it's kind of hanging underneath uh, the top of a castle in Ireland. You've got to lean back and kiss it. That sounds very dangerous. They kind of and very like, they, unhygienic. They, they, you, you you kind of almost shimmy down, and they they pin your legs down so you don't fall off the, the castle. Someone has to have fallen off. And the, the, there's just a queue of Americans queuing up to kiss the blarney stone. Yeah. I but... guess during COVID, they probably you probably weren't allowed to kiss it. You just had to kind of wink at it or something. <laughs> from did a distance. wink in the gun. Just I <laughs> winked at the Blarney Stone. <laughs> I did duck lips to the Blarney Stone. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is, this isn't this show isn't about Blarney Stones or other. Um, it's not even, it's not even about Canadian politics. So not um, right now, no, it's about the Canadian spies are boring. And so we've just we halfway through. We've only just got to the Cold War. That's how good I was at research. That's pretty good. It wasn't just all about the Cold War. Thank you. It is now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, at least the next few are. <laughs> well, actually, uh, no. No, there's plenty of other post-Cold War stuff, too. You'd be Sweet. So, Entertain me, Reese. This Entertain me. Tell me what we got. Episode Give five. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me hard. Give it Canada's to me weapons of mass destruction. That was very loud. Canada's, Canada's weapons of mass destruction. Can you sing it? Canada's weapons of mass destruction. And can you go back and edit in yourself with, like, a reverb and, like... No. Vi- can, no? Okay. The technology hasn't been invented oh, yet, yeah, so... That's right maybe on. in five years. Canada's weapons of mass destruction. So did you think Canada had weapons of mass destruction? I mean... 
It's not surprising. Really? You know, no. It's like, yeah, every fucking country on the planet has these. So it's, okay. it would be more surprising if we didn't. And then I wouldn't believe it. So nukes. Yeah, nukes. nukes. Yeah. Canada didn't develop his own nukes, but it didn't mind keeping other people safe. <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, between 1963 and 84, Canada fielded four different tactical nuclear weapons systems. That's it. And deployed several hundred nuclear warheads. Deployed them? As in like they were ready to launch from Canada or like kept safe from in Canada. I thought deployed meant like you you launched no, them. No, deployed as in they were operationally ready. They didn't actually set them off. Isn't that mean isn't that ready for deployment? No, you deployed into a war zone. It doesn't mean you're necessarily shooting your gun. You just sat there waiting for someone to pop their head up over a bush and, and then so you can take the top off it. With a nuclear bomb. Yeah, they were deployed, ready to go, and ready to launch. As soon as someone stuck their head out from a bush. They would throw a nuclear missile at them. <laughs> like a javelin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone died. <laughs> it wasn't effective. But, really um, effective. <laughs> so the, the first new, most of, as you can guess, most of the weapons were, were American. So the first U.S. nuclear weapon came to Canada in 1950. when The, the first what? nuclear weapon came to canada in 1950 do you know side note and you probably do do you know the first the largest non-nuclear man-made explosion in canada was that the halifax explosion it was yeah very good topped only by the hiroshima bomb yeah. and nagasaki well that was nuclear that was nuclear yeah yeah, yeah. so um but that it wasn't a nuclear bomb; it was just a ship full of explosives. It was. It was. The, it was the, like it was the the largest man-made non-nuclear explosion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we can we should cover that in another episode, even yeah. though it's not really political. It's just fucking fascinating. It is really interesting. <laughs> and the tsunami, and then the blizzard that followed. Yeah, you know about that? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's. Yeah. We should, we'll do. I saw we'll do a special episode on the. Let's. Um, I'd love to. I love. I. It's. It's not such now a though. No, let's get back to yeah, spice. Yeah, let's do spice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Put, a, put a pin in it. Okay. Fine. <laughs> so, um, so the first nuclear weapon came to Canada in 1950 when the United States Air Force Strategic Air Command stationed 11 model, uh, 15, uh, model 1561 Fat Man atomic bombs at Goose. What does uh, this have to do with spies, though? Wait, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, Goose Bay. I love that I ask you that every, yeah. like every episode, and you're like, just, just, just going to do just politics. Wait. Just wait. <laughs> so CFB Goose Bay in Newfoundland, Labrador had 11 fat man bombs. And that's not a bomb in that Newfoundland. dropped. In Newfoundland. In Newfoundland, yeah. So it was an aircraft staging location for RAF V-Force and uh, uh, SAC. The, mem- uh, the bombers were landed... Um, crews relieved and aircraft refueled or repaired, all with them to return to bases in the U.S., uh, which were additional, uh, which were an additional fifteen hundred more flying miles away from the, the bombers' targets. So, so Canada since the fifties had basically been like, "Hey, if you're going to go to a bombing run on Russia, you can go from Newfoundland, and we'll keep your bombs here too." Okay. So, but Canada had also been involved in uh, the Manhattan Project, as we talked in in an episode recently. We never really got on got into that, though. Yeah. So Canada provided raw material, including uranium ore from a northern mine. It doesn't say where where. There's a lot of north in Canada. It right. just says northern mine. <laughs> Try looking for that. <laughs> Any more information? Um, which would, which would have been used in the construction of the first atom bomb dropped at Hiroshima, um, and at least one lead scientist worked in Los Alamos, uh, hosting the Montreal Laboratory, which um, took 
uh, did work with tube alloys, which was related to... Tube alloys? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Canada, this isn't a science show. Oh, did it? I'm, I'm actually hosting a science show. What? I know nothing about science. Oh, you told I'm me, doing, that's I'm right. I'm doing a voiceover for a science show called Beyond Research. It's all about Canadian scientific research, and I know nothing about... You told, if, you told me about this. Can you do the, the intro again for you're me? You're listening. Oh, welcome to Beyond Research. So if you want to hear me <laughs> do a serious voiceover about Canadian scientific research... It's from not the, that serious, though, is it? It is serious. It's no, a no, serious show. It's serious, not a comedy show. No, but your voice isn't that serious uh, when if, you're doing If you it. know me from this show, you'll probably find it weird. <laughs> if you've never heard me before, you'll just go, oh, it's a British dude. Um, anyway, uh, so Canada would continue to supply fissionable material to the US and other allies throughout the Cold War, even though Canada never developed its own nuclear weapons. Uh NATO allies like France and the United Kingdom did. So Canada basically gave them all the stuff they needed to build their nukes. Wow. So, um, and also, Canada, then this is where the spying comes in. So obviously there was a lot of activity. There were bombs here. They were selling materials. So Canada also um, was, there was a lot of focus of, of spying going on. And Canada actually, one of a really successful spy known as Kitty Harris was um where are they these names are amazing kitty harris so she was a, a soviet secret agent um uh, her code nobody's, name, na- nobody's named kitty anymore i know was that a nickname or is that her actual legal name uh i think her name was catherine oh, anyway, so it was a nickname. yeah catherine right. yeah, yeah let's, so call she, it, let's call her kitty i like that better so she was born into a poor polish jewish family in london ontario um, sometime between 1893 and 1902. So that's ni- somewhere in a nine-year period she was born. There's no records of her birth. Oh. Um, and she, she was basically recruited by the, um, by the Soviet Union to spy on um, the Manhattan Project. So she trained, uh, she joined, she worked in a cigar factory and then a clothing factory, and she joined the union and was actually involved. Remember, we did the Winnipeg general strike. Remember that episode? Yes. She was involved in that. Oh, wow. And then she moved to Chicago and joined the Communist Party of the USA. And then she was taken out um, to be trained. And she trained in Berlin and Moscow uh, to be a spy. And then she was dropped into um, Mexico City. But she was trained in Berlin and Moscow to be a spy for Russia, Russia. for the Soviet Union, sorry. Um, and so then she she was um, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and she had a safe house within a drugstore that was helping uh, ferry spies around, trying to keep an eye on the um, the Manhattan Project. The for Russian Russian for spies. Russia, yeah. And this was in 1943, two years before Igor. Uh, so she's a Russian spy. She's a Russian spy. Is she, we're going to get to where she defects, I'm assuming. No, 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 she didn't. She never becomes no, a Canadian no, she spy. No, no, she never became a Canadian isn't spy. The, isn't this about and, Canadian and, spies? So, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but she was, she, was, she was a Canadian spy. She just wasn't spying for Canada. That's was, what a Canadian spy is. No, well, yeah, she's a Canadian spy. She was just... <laughs> anyway. Hold on. No, no, let's... <laughs> she's a spy in Canada. It doesn't make her a Canadian spy. Well, yeah, she was born in Canada. She's a Canadian spy. She's not spying for Canada. She's oh oh. I don't know why this is so hard to get ahead. Okay, right. no. So hold on. She was a like she is a Canadian that was a spy for Russia. Soviet. Yeah, for Russia. Yeah. Who happened was, to so be I'm a not allowed to was talk she about spying on her own country? Yes. Why? Because she she why wasn't she a Canadian spy like a Canadian Canadian spy because a Canadian she, spying I, I on think, for I think she Canada. believed she believed in communism and Marxism so she was spying on behalf of that ideology in what she would consider a capitalist society. So last episode, we talked about a Russian... Igor Gazenko. A Russian who started spying on his own country in Canada, and now we're talking about a Canadian who started spying on her own country for Russia. Yeah. Okay. 
it's going full circle. Gotcha. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but then you'd have double, double, like you'd have double agents who'd spy, and then they'd have double agents who'd also secretly defect, and then let them know what they were doing in their defection to the other people. This is my brain is not ex- spying is confusing. Right, <laughs> spying hurts my brain. That's another t-shirt. Here we go. Um, so uh, she, yeah, she she ran a safe house uh, within a drugstore. Um, so she helped. She she actually. Uh, she had quite a sad ending. She died in the sixties. Um, she was uh, she had her problems with alcohol, oh. but she she eventually returned to Russia. Um, so so Canada was holding nuclear devices. It was being spied on, um, but also, and this isn't this is kind of going off um, uh, the whole spy story thing. That's when you love to do this. <laughs> but this is just fascinating. Now I've I've had a mild obsession with this for years, and I nearly I, I was pitching a documentary about about a story related to this in Savannah, right. in Savannah Georgia, in really? a town called um, uh, Tibby. Um, and basically, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there are probably are about a I'm dozen, guessing I don't. <laughs> there, how many nuclear weapons do you think have gone missing in the world? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, that's a frightening thought to even entertain. God, I don't know. There are, there are about a dozen. Gee. Um, that's not great. The, people consistently lose nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's not... Get, get your shit together. Come um, on. What the? So, uh, and Canada's got a... Canada's lost a food. Oh, my God. Of course <laughs> we have. So, February the 13th, 1950, British Columbia. Assimilated nuclear bomb containing TNT and uranium, but without the plutonium needed to create a nu- nuclear explosion, was proactively dumped in the Pacific Ocean after a B-36 bomber's engines caught fire during a test of its ability to carry nuclear payloads. The crew reported releasing the weapon out of concern for the amount of TNT inside alone before they bailed out of the aircraft. The bomber crashed at an unknown, unknown location in Canada. Four years later, the wreckage was found and searched, but no bomb was found. Oh, my God. The weapon was briefly thought Did it to- not explode on impact? No, it was- With just, all the TNT well, and whatnot? Well, maybe it did, but they never found anything. So, uh- the, wep- the weapon was briefly thought to have been located by a civilian diver in 2016 near Pitt Island, but it was subsequently found not to be the case. So some guy out there has a nuclear bomb on his mantle place, mantle place like just... Yeah, also it, maybe someone's made a, like a kid's play park out of it. Right. And they jump that's, up and down on it and do. kick yeah. the tip of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... shoots his scores another beautiful advert. ad it's an ad adverts dad i mean it's we'll excitement yeah ad we'll be back after these messages of ads ads Um, and then another, again, another a U.S. Air Force B-36 bomber was flying a simulated combat mission um, from Alaska to Fort Worth, Texas, carrying one weapon containing a dummy warhead. Even though it was a dummy warhead, the warhead contained conventional explosives and natural uranium, but it didn't have the plutonium core. You'll notice they always say, oh, we lost this nuclear weapon, but don't worry, it didn't have a plutonium core. They always say that. Um but it makes, why would they be flying around nuclear weapons that you can't use? Right. I always wonder whether they just go, oh shit. Let's just tell them it, was, it didn't have, they always say it didn't have a plutonium core, which is coincidentally happened with every loot. Like, nu- I mean, it kind of makes sense. Every nuclear being... weapon, there's a great book called uh, Chasing, Chasing Loose Nukes. I mean, if you think about it, it kind of does make sense. If you're going to be transporting a nuke to remove, like, to remove the one thing that's necessary to make it a nuclear bomb, because anything 
could happen during transportation, yeah. right? Like, so that's kind of smart. Like, okay, we're going to give you everything except for the plutonium. Do you have plutonium? Great. Once the nuclear bomb arrives at your location, you can just pull, plop that sucker in and you've got a nuke. I guess uh, so. Right? So, like, I, I guess they try to reassure us. I mean, like, honestly, it's not something that I wouldn't. I would I would uh, disbelieve. It sounds, my, my like, sounds like a safe way to transport a nuke. There's a right? there's a, a, a former pilot who I've actually spoken to a couple of times, but his his book is called Chasing Loose Nukes, and oh. that, that's what he did for a passion was chasing nuclear weapons that Jesus. got missing. And he, he was saying that a plutonium core is about the size of a grapefruit, so it's quite easy to pop it in. Right. Yeah. So I've got I mean, a bag kinda, full of plutonium core. It just, it just make, it makes <laughs> honestly it makes sense. Yeah. Right. You know. So. Yeah. Um, so after six hours, the bomber experienced mechanical problems, was forced to shut down three of its engines at 12,000 feet. Uh, there was icing. Uh, ice, they were worried about icing on the plane, uh, jeopardizing a safe landing. And they jettisoned. Uh, the weapon was jettisoned over the Pacific Ocean. The weapon's high explosives detonated upon impact with a bright, a bright visible flash. All 16 crew members and one passenger were able to parachute from the plane. Um, uh, and 12 were subsequently rescued from Princess Royal Island. I guess the rest died. I didn't say that. Jeez. It's just sad. Mm. Um, and Quebec. Um, oh, God, it's a French one. Okay. <laughs> Riviere de Loup. Yeah, you got it. Riviere de Loup. Yeah. Well God, done. Well done. I'm getting better at this. You are. French Canadians. <laughs> um, I'm trying my best. And today was a big, a big step forward. <laughs> I'll be very proud of yeah. right now. <laughs> um, so a non-nuclear detonation of an atomic bomb happened. Uh, returning one of several U.S. Mark IV nuclear bombs secretly deployed in Canada, a U.S. Air Force B-50 uh, bomber had engine trouble and jettisoned the weapon at uh, 10,500 feet. The crew set the bomb to self-destruct at 2,500 oh foot God. and dropped it over the St. Lawrence River. The explosion. The explosion shook area residents and scattered nearly This wasn't an actual nuclear bomb. It was a bomb without the... It was a bomb full of um, uranium that they detonated. But it wasn't a nuclear bomb. It was a nuclear bomb. It was. But it was a non-nuclear explosion of a nuclear bomb. So they so blew have, up the bomb without the bomb blowing up. So it, they, they blew up a nuclear device, but it wasn't a nuclear explosion. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So um, the explosion shook the They area. wanted to get rid of the bomb without... Right, okay. Yep. But what happened was... Um, they shook the whole area, scared the shit out of residents, and scattered 100 pounds of uranium um, all over the area. Oh, that's not good. Uh, and the plutonium core was not in the bomb at the time, as, as is the story. As, as the story. Did, and then, people, and, did people get radiation sickness? Uh, it didn't say. Maybe they did, and they just... Oh, it was, slight, it, was, it, was a, it was a secret. They wasn't supposed to be in Canada. Speaking of having a large explosion scare the shit out of people, um, how long... Did it take you, because you work downtown Halifax and have for quite some time, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to not be scared at noon every day when a giant cannon goes shooting above your head? Uh, it, just for those who don't know, in Halifax and Citadel Hill, every day at the second noon hits, they fire a cannon above everyone's heads. I'm not making this up. I, and if you're not used to it, it'll scare the Jesus out of you. I have developed a Pavlovian response where every time it goes off, I start to salivate because it's lunchtime. <laughs> so every time, if ever there's a war and a cat and cannons are going off, I'm just going to be hungry. So <laughs> that only took about a week. So. <laughs> Yay, lunchtime. <laughs> Boom, sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants pizza? <laughs> So, um, and th th there was another one. I found another one as well. And this this was um, 
in the Northwest Territories, a uh, a Cosmos nine five four. Um, this is in the Northwest Territories. Yeah, a Soviet radar ocean reconnaissance satellite, which which was a satellite, a satellite flying through space with an onboard um, nuclear reactor. Oh so basically, a, a, a nuclear reactor in space. So it was a satellite powered by a nuclear reactor yeah. in space. It failed. That's to... kind of cool. I would have gone, hey, have you had solar panels? <laughs> so um, maybe not. It, was, it, was <laughs> uh, it failed to separate from the booster and broke up over re-entry over Western and Northern Canada. Fuel was spread over a wide area and some radioactive pieces were recovered. The Soviet Union eventually paid the Canadian government three million Canadian dollars for expenses related to the crash. Wow. Wow. Which is, uh, yeah. So, and, and also, the politics was crazy at the time. So, where, um, where are the spies coming into this one? Well, have you ever heard of, you know, everyone was, a lot of people, when you talk, you've seen um, Dr. Strangelove. I have not. And actually. the idea, so there was this idea that they'd, there was this dead man switch. The idea that um, there was this doomsday device so that if a nuclear bomb went off uh, uh, and it was theoretical, uh, Russia would release all of its nuclear weapons and just destroy the world. Hold so on, what? What happened? So, so is this they, true? No, no this, this, this was the theory. So This is but, in a movie or... So th- this, this was the political doctrine at the time. So have in, rea- we, in reality, okay. Yeah, have, yeah. have you ever heard of MAD? Mutually Assured Destruction. I have not. So the idea, I have heard of that term, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. Well, so, and this was... So Prime Minister Brian Mulroney basically said that... Um, oh, that the Soviet Union regarded Canada as part of the United States. So essentially, if uh, if America decided to date Russia, uh, Canada would face incineration without representation. So they, could, they wouldn't get to decide whether they were going to be part of a nuclear war, but Russia would have targeted a bunch of Canadian sites anyway. Wow. Um, so mutually... Uh, they believed that mutually assured destruction was Canada's best interest. So it was the Cold War doctrine that held that as long as both the US and the USSR possessed significant nuclear arsenals, any nuclear war would destroy both nations. Oh, uh, yeah. That, thereby discouraging yeah. either nation from launching a nuclear offensive. So the idea was we could we could both kill each other and annihilate the entire world at any moment. So we probably won't do it. Right, that which, makes, which is yeah. insane no, I mean, to think it, in, in these days terms. But the crazier part is that there's no thought process, there's no ideology or thought process that goes into that, even though we still have the weapons. But I think we've been trying to get rid of them slowly, but like we still got, still got them. Yeah, I think South Africa is the only country that gave up nuclear weapons. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but also. And this is inspired, but this, this is just this stuff is an I entire find that was really interesting. Spies that has nothing to do with we spies. Did, we did talk Kitty Harris, remember? Um, oh so, yes, right. Okay. Uh, so Canada, <laughs> and I looked at other mass weapons of mass destruction that Canada made. Um, Canada was a major producer and developer of chemical weapons during World War One and World War Two. CFB Suffield became a leading research facility, and thousands of Canadian soldiers were exposed to mustard gas, blister agents, tear gas, and other chemical agents, and some were permanently injured as a result uh, of the tests. Um, human testing of chemical weapons, such as sarin, mustard gas, VX gas, continued in Canada until the early 70s, and Canada eventually abandoned them. Uh, Canada still employs riot gear agents, so Canada makes a lot of tear gas and pepper spray, uh, non-lethal chemical weapons. Um, and Canada also, in terms of biological weapons, remember those? Canada experimented with anthrax, um, a 
Butalonim, toxin, ricin, uh, rinderpest virus, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, uh, plague, uh, lots of bad things. Jesus. Um, we I, experimented with them? Yeah, like, huh. Like 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 a student in college would experiment with drugs, Canada expanded biological weapons. But luckily, do you know what they did with them? They got rid of all the unex- a ton of unexploded bombs they produced for World War II and, uh, and other chemical weapons. Um, the 1972 London Convention prohibited uh, further marine dumping of this kind of stuff. But before that, they essentially uh, dumped all of the chemical weapons and a bunch of explosives off the shores of Nova Scotia. Oh, lovely. So there's That's a big great. old pile of... Uh, of hold, on, uh, say, hold on, wait a second. Wait. <laughs> say that again. There's a big old pile yeah. of unexploded bombs, shells, bullets. Are we talking and anything chemical r- weapons? Anything radioactive? No, but just are um, you sure? Just chemical weapons um, under the ocean, just off the coast of Nova Scotia. Wow! Um, and it says it continues to bring concern to local communities and the fishing industry. Yeah, um, fun. So I realized I just moved next to probably the world's largest uh, slowly rotten pile of explosives <laughs> and chemical weapons <laughs> and a wonderful time was had by all so wow okay nuclear weapons yay yeah. can we bring it back to kitty at uh, the end here that was it really just just you could just talk about it for just make it up what's uh, her favorite what was her favorite food her color this is her favorite color red okay there you go there we go brought it back there we go yeah so um, come back tomorrow we're going to be talking about um hold on oh i got an idea well oh no so this is spot and we want to we want a, a call to action for people right so we're going to ask some of our listeners to become spies okay for us this sounds treasonous but okay <laughs> go and spy on another podcast why I don't want to start some kind of podcast Cold War. I think that'd be kind of fun. Sounds like a shit version of the actual. (laughs) Just (laughs) middle-aged white dudes poking the poking like into each other's businesses. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's a bad idea. Yeah, I don't actually. I never mind. It was a, it was was an idea that faded away quickly. Let's tell you what. Go and spy on something useful. Like like, I don't know. Like what? Tell us what your local barista is up to. Yeah, yeah. What's the latest trend in coffee in your city? <laughs> Spy on that. Follow them home. Follow take them. A, take a pair of binoculars. Um, watch them through their bedroom windows while they, they sleep. Are practicing all hours on making those funny patterns with, with the, the, the foam? Send us the photos. Send us the photos. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we can learn how to make fancy coffees with pictures of leaves on the top. Yep. Latte art. Is that what it's called? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Imagine if you were the like I am Halifax's best latte artist. Imagine that. I, I, I guess it's not. And when I mean, you die, nobody remembers. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We're halfway through the. I'm Canadian sorry, spies. latte artists. I do appreciate it. <sighs> A latte with art on top tastes better. It does, as long as they wash their hands. Right. Because they do cool. draw with just their fingertips. You know yeah. this, right? Yeah. Uh, please come back tomorrow. Follow us on Instagram. Spy on baristas. <laughs> that's the... That's it. That's it. That's it. Great. Bye. Okay, bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. 